Hey there, this is Nona Jones. Thank you so much for tuning into this new episode of Undefeated. You know, I want you to take a moment and think back to your 14-year-old self, all right? When I think back to that time in my life, I thought I was going to be the next Whitney Houston or Janet Jackson or Brandy Norwood. I loved to sing. I loved to write music. I loved to dance. And every time I looked at a music awards show or music video program, I was just so intrigued. I saw the glamour of it all. I saw the glitz of it all. And it just looked like so much fun. And I think many times we base our aspirations and our dreams and our hopes on what another person's life appears to be. But today, my guest, my friend Jackie Velasquez, is going to invite us into what is it really like to achieve fame at a young age? And what does it cost? You see, that's the side of the equation that we often don't get invited into. And there's a tremendous amount of pain and trauma that she has had to experience throughout her career. I'm grateful for this candid, transparent conversation because she has wrestled through so many things and she has emerged on the other side of it, undefeated. And that's what this podcast is all about. Listen, before we even jump into the conversation, if you haven't already, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends and your family because it truly is my heart's passion and mission to lift up stories that can inspire us all to know that no matter what has happened to you and no matter what you've done, you are never beyond the reach of God's grace. You're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. So now let's jump into the conversation with Jackie. Jackie, I'm so, so excited to have you here with me. Um, And I want to just jump right in because I think people people know you as Jackie Velasquez, the incredibly successful artist, the songwriter. Um, but I want you to take us back to your roots so we can know who was Jackie Velasquez before you were Jackie Velasquez. <laughs> well, my kids, um, they heard somebody call me Jackie Velasquez one time. And my little one, he was like, mom, why do those people keep calling you Jackie Velasquez? And I was like, well, that's because that's my name to some people. So as far as, so my kids don't, nobody knows, nobody cares in my home. But as far as like um, uh, prior to the whole, you know, musical stuff, my parents were pastors. I grew up in a, in a, in a church kind of home. Uh, if you could be born a Christian, I would have been born a Christian, but that's impossible, obviously. Um, Dad was a pastor. He stopped pastoring when I was nine years old. He got called into the evangelistic field. I'm the youngest of my siblings by nine years. So my brothers, well, they were already in college. So I was the youngest. So they kind of had to take me. So um, he got called in. So an evangelist is basically somebody who's a pastor, but goes from different church to church to church, ministering to different you know, churches, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, sometimes prayers on Fridays. It was just, you know, wild. So, um, so they took me with them. So I started traveling with my parents. I was homeschooled in the backseat of our Honda Accord with, um, by way of a, I know, by way of a TV VCR, uh, like combo unit. 
that we plugged into the cigarette lighter. So I would watch my videotapes and do my score in the back seat of our car. Of our car, it was an '85 Honda Accord, blue, like light blue. So we went from church to church. We went from Colorado to California, California to Arizona, Arizona up to Utah, Utah. You know, back to New Mexico, New Mexico to Texas. We traveled like nonstop. So that's that was kind of my world prior to. Jackie Velasquez. I heard my kid would say Jackie Velasquez. <laughs> I love how I love how the kids they always make our our lives sound so complicated and our names are so complicated. My kids, uh, the reason why my social handle is at Nona not Nora is because even my kids will be like, "Mommy, why are they calling you Nona? It should be Nora or Noni." Or I'm like, "No, sir." But anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> that's not my name. That's not my name. Um, I want to, so you've, I mean, you've had such, you just had so much success. And I think that there are so many people who want to be famous, like so badly. Um, I was having a conversation with someone one time and he said something to me. He said, you know, I want to have my name in light. And I was like, why? Like, what, what is that? Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't know. I just want to have my name in lights. Um, I think that people don't understand that there is a cost to fame. Yeah. So I, I would love if you can just start sharing like what fame has taught you, <sighs> wish you would have known before you became this like household name. Well, to whom much is given, much is required, obviously. So for me, yeah, I started traveling and staying with my parents when I was nine. When I was 13, someone heard me and took a video and sent it back to Nashville, sent it back to what became my manager. Um, they flew some record execs out to, to Texas to watch me sing. So I was 13. At that point, I was about to turn 14, I guess. So, so they got us some um, airplane tickets to come to Nashville, my parents and I. So we flew to Nashville. They signed me to a record deal. So I got my first, I got my record deal when I was 14 years old. So, um, <clears throat> you know, very young, very, um, very uh uh excitable it was exciting for me i felt like you know cinderella but um so time went on my first i started working on my first record it came out when i came out when i was 16 years old so that was called heavenly place that came out in 96 so everything started happening so fast like that first record it was 16 number one singles off the first record no, 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 I'm sorry, 16. I'm sorry. That's crazy. It was 10, but then there were six past that. So 10. Wait, number one wait, 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 so you're editing. I know. I'm really bad at math. I mean, but still, that's that's incredible. That's incredible. Um, it, you know what? It was um it was surprising. Uh that I will say. It was definitely shocking and surprising. It was so unreal to the point where I didn't even feel like I was living it. Like I was watching somebody else's life, like on TV. I was watching like a screen of this person, this girl who like all this crazy stuff was happening, but it wasn't happening to me. It was happening to this girl in this like picture frame. So, um, so it was, you know, an incredible experience. 
But then the date started rolling in so fast and so hard and so quick to the point where I was like, like my mom at one point, she told me to put my, my school books away because I was trying to, you know, I was catching flights at 4 a.m., getting on a plane, going from one place to the next place, getting there, having a sound check, uh, go back to the hotel and change, go back to the venue and, you know, and uh, talk to people and then do, do the event then sign autographs and do the next thing, the same, same, you know, the next day. So for me personally, it was all happening so fast. I call it the blur in my life. It was the blur. Everything was just happening, but it wasn't happening to me. It was happening around me. So, so with all of that kind of success, and when people say the thing where, yes, I would like my name and lights, there is so much, especially in your youth, there's so much that it costs you. I remember my parents, when I was um, uh, 19, because of, because of the fact that my mom had to travel with me. Actually, I think I was 18, but my parents started, I was 18. My parents started... Um, having issues and it was because of my career my mom was traveling with me because she had to take care of her daughter and my dad probably didn't feel like he was being taken care of so so my parents split up so I actually felt like it was my fault that my parents broke up um which of course Logically, I knew it was not my fault, but as an 18-year-old child, well, child, because you kind of stay stuck mentally whenever stuff starts happening that's crazy in your life, you kind of get stuck there mentally. So I still kind of considered myself a child. So, um, so as all that was happening, I just felt like it was my fault that had, had I not made music, had I not been successful, my parents would still be together. Um, you know, God has a plan. We don't always understand it, but I know that God, God knew and he was not surprised, but I was, <laughs> I was so, so, um, you know, fast forward. So time goes on and, um, music is still happening. Success is happening. Opportunities are happening. And of course I'm grateful. I'm going, thank you, Jesus. Wow. I feel like a princess, like nonstop, but to whom much is given, much is required. So a lot of times when you're given so much, it is a lot to be responsible for. So I remember I felt so responsible for the little girls that were growing up listening to my music. So I wanted to be perfect, wanted to, wanted to make sure I was living out this perfect life so that they could um, have, you know, a role model. But I was also 20 and 21, who was still mentally kind of stuck at 16, because that's when success and stuff, like, it wasn't that it was trauma, but it was something that, you know, when something happens in your life where it's just not traumatic, it's just so over the top intense, you kind of get, you kind of get stuck there. Okay. Yeah, I know what you mean. But what's funny, it actually, for 
now as a grown-up, as a 40-year-old woman, it makes me a really fun mom. My kids think I'm the coolest mom. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, mom, come jump with us. Do that thing. And I'm like, like, guys, guys, I'm 40 years old now. (laughs) Um, But, but, you know, it's interesting because so time went on. I got, um, I got offered a film, which was called Chasing Poppy for 20th Century Fox Films. It was my first audition ever, but it was also like, it was my first audition. There you go. But I got the part. It was one of the four lead roles. So three girls all dating the same guy, but they don't know it, but it was for 20th Century Fox. So, so of course I was like, well, thank you, God. This is the door that you're opening. I can um, walk through the store and hopefully they'll, you know, change people's lives, open up people's minds to listening to Christian music, to listening to songs about you. Well, this film, because I was so stubborn, because once again, too young with too much, I began to, um, to not listen to wisdom, listen to the people around me to heed their wisdom. So they told me not to make the film. My mom told me not to. My manager told me not to. But I was like, guys, you're just not listening to God's voice. So I made the film anyway. Interesting. Uh, yes, being disobedient. Being disobedient. So, so because I was being disobedient and wanted to do things the way I wanted to do them, thinking surely that's God's will. Because this is my dream. And he knows the desires of our hearts. So this has to be his will, right? Wrong. Okay. So I make the film. Lots of backlash. Basically making that film was like being handed the keys to a sports car without a driver's license. Wow. That's a powerful analogy. So, well, it's true. So the film came out record labels um i'm sorry radio stations promoters pastors just start dropping me like songs going off radio stations they were just kind of like you're not safe we're not doing this anymore no jackie no jackie velasquez so in my diy kind of way i decide i'm going to pull a rabbit out of a hat and i'm going to fix this because I can do that. I can fix stuff, right? So I decide to be safe. That means I got to get married. So the next guy I dated, I, I'm married. Well, and this, it, is, this is something I, I really want to talk about because I think, first of all, your transparency is so inspiring and refreshing. I think people who aspire to become public figures or influencers like now this is a thing, like I want to be an influencer, right? Um, They don't realize that your, your mistakes are no longer just, you know, mistakes that you know about now, like you have the whole world judging everything you do. And and I, I it's a glass house. Yeah. It's a glass house. I'd love for you to talk about this marriage situation and, and how this happened, because I think that was also something that was, somewhat traumatic for you so actually probably the most traumatic thing was my parents divorce so my parents divorcing was so um that was hard for me it was hard 
because because it feels like you have to choose a side mm. but but how can you okay so but I didn't want to end up like my parents because I didn't want to go through a divorce so there I am I married this guy who was a nice guy he just wasn't my guy we were together for a year and a few months he um <clears throat> I, I never really fully connected with him um, just because lots of other things, but he was my DIY to fix what I'd broken, walking in disobedience, then marrying him, walking again in disobedience. So I remember us splitting up and I decided to run away because of being in the glass house, the glass house. Okay. So prior to me marrying him, I've been the poster child for true love waits, kind of like I promised to wait until I get married to have, you know, to have uh, intimacy. So with that marriage, it was such a public thing that people in Espanol did a write up on it. So everybody knew I was getting married. So I remember standing at the church about to walk down the aisle going, I don't want to do this. This wow. is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. But the pressure, mm. because that glass house, people know about stuff, people are watching, I had to walk. Wow. And the church was full. Gotta make it happen. The show must go on. So, walked down the aisle, and I knew it was the wrong thing. So, um, a year and a few months later, we did, uh, we did split up. And I decided to run away. I ran away to London, England to learn Spanish. You didn't know Spanish already? <laughs> Wait, you, you ran away to London to learn Spanish. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't, I never had spoken perfect Spanish. I mean, I've done Spanish records. I've done Spanish interviews, but I wanted to learn Spanish. So I ran away to London, England. Yeah. <clears throat> so I went to school in London to learn Spanish. It was a great school, actually. It was fantastic. Instituto Cervantes. So, so I went to school like three days a week. It was great. I found a, a roommate who was from Scotland. She was hilarious. She was awesome. So we lived there. I actually signed up to be her roommate before I even met her, before I even got to the country. So that could have gone really wrong. Thank you, God, for protecting me. But um, she was fantastic. So I lived there. See, the problem with running away I guess I was so scared because so many people were talking about me getting married and the excitement and the publicity around it, that the divorce was going to be even that much more. Mm. And what did that say to me about me? Yeah. It meant I was becoming just like my parents. And I didn't want to be a divorcee because I was ashamed ashamed and embarrassed because to whom much is given much is required i have officially just in my mind at that time i had let down so many people so many little girls that were had looked up to me that had listened to my songs i had, had done ballet to on my knees and here i am divorced after a little over a year i just ran away but the problem with running away is you take you with you 
Mm. And I took me with me. That's so good, Jackie. Like you, you can't run away from you. Um, and what, what is broken within you is within you. So your physical movement doesn't erase that. That's powerful. Like I'm wondering, this is so good. Like how, for people who are dealing with shame and they're trying to run away and they're trying to, you know, find a physical solution, um, what would you say to them just based on what you've learned and, and how you've grown? Uh, there are people watching this right now who I know are battling with shame. Like how have you been able to, to emerge from that battle? It's all about whether, I'm sorry. It's all about where you find your identity. Where does your identity lie? Does your identity lie in what people think of you? Does your identity lie in how successful you are? Does your identity lie in what you think of you? Or does your identity lie in Christ? Because Christ went to the cross. He took our shame. He took our sin. He took, he took the keys of death straight, straight from hell. So we can either live there feeling ashamed, feeling worthless, or we can find our identity where it truly lives. And that is in Jesus Christ. He forgives you. Just forgive yourself. Who do you think you are? <laughs> wow. Who do you think you are to not forgive yourself? I think as a public figure, and I, this is just so rich, like, you get adoration as well as criticism. And oh, yeah. I, I know people, so many people like they anchor on the adoration, right? Like they're like, I want to be adored. I want to be loved. But, but what you don't realize is you also get the criticism, like making you question your worthiness. Um, no matter how successful we become, I think we still battle those insecurities. Can you talk oh, about for that? Sure. Oh, well, I mean, that's a real thing. You just saying that you kind of said it all, but um. What is it? What do they say? Say it takes nine positive things to erase one negative thing. Wow. So then it's to me, it's like it's so easy to focus on the negative. Yeah. And the more you're in front of people, the more I mean, just you know, being a pastor, I I was on the board at my kids' school for two years. I've been a room mom. You can hear negativity anywhere and i think it's fascinating as human beings how we can stay there instead of focusing on the good stuff so somebody can tell you oh my goodness i love your makeup one person tells you oh god you're looking a little oh mm. how old are you again <laughs> you know what i mean it's like it's like we and then that tears our whole world apart but that's because we're not finding our identity in Jesus Christ, mm. in Christ, because he made me beautiful. He made you beautiful. You are beautifully and perfectly and wonderfully made. So yes, of course, there's a healthy amount of criticism. There's healthy criticism, but just ask the Holy Spirit to help you um, to comb through the healthy criticism versus the unhealthy criticism, to not stay there. Don't get locked in there because that's not real. Those, that's those are the lies from the pit of hell. So just yeah. focus in on the healthy. If there is some, 
ask the Holy Spirit to help you decipher healthy criticism. Because sometimes my husband will tell me something. I'm like, you are wrong. That is so not true. He's like, I'm just saying, Jackie, it's not that great of a chorus. Let's rewrite that melody. I'm going, it's the best chorus. Okay, healthy <laughs> criticism. Okay. Also trusting, trusting the um the the person that's relaying the information. That is yeah. really important. And only the Holy Spirit can help you decipher those things. You know, I wanna as we start to kind of round this conversation out, I wanna talk about um something that I think is so important to so many people. You you're raising a beautiful, beautiful son who was diagnosed with autism and there are so many families um, raising children with special needs who feel judged by other Christians. Um, it's 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 crazy, um, and it should never be that way. But I know that that is what's happened. I was curious if you can share what has your experience been, and how can we extend more grace to people who are raising special needs children? Um, okay. Uh, my son, Zealand, he is 12 years old. He's got a little brother who's Soren, who's 11, who is like, <sighs> he's so chunky that I just, I, even though he's 11, I still want to chew on his toes, but it's gross now because they stink. So, <laughs> so, um, but my please 12 don't chew on your 11 year old son's toes. Please don't. <laughs> oh God. Now, now I can't, but, but, um, you know, my 12 year old son, Zealand, he got diagnosed at the end of second grade. He got diagnosed as being autistic. Um, they had told us prior to that a pervasive developmental delay, which for me, that means he's going to catch up. But in second grade, they had to diagnose him. Of course, <clears throat> that broke my heart. Um, so if you're listening and you know somebody who's ever, uh, who has a child with special needs, um, typically for those parents, they have to go through a, a mourning period. Because I had lots of dreams for Zealand as he was growing in my belly, as he was growing up. So when somebody says, hey, your son is broken. I had to mourn the dreams that I ha had for Zealand. It took a long time, actually. It took a while just to, to mourn those things and to be angry with God. I was very angry with God. But he gave me a son that would, would, always prob would probably always have difficulty um, communicating because daddy and I've been in ministry our whole lives and in ministry you have to communicate. So to watch my son not have that ability was just angered me towards God. So after that six month kind of that time mourning period, I remember I had to, I had to stop asking the question, why me, why me, why me? but change my posture and ask the right question. Why not me? It was only then that I could hear the voice of God once again, just hear and feel his presence. He wasn't angry with me. He was just like, get up, stand up and fight now. Okay. I'm an INFP on Myers-Briggs. I don't like conflict. I don't like confrontation. It's just like, the scariest thing for me. So get up and fight for my kid. Okay. Well, it's my kid. So of course, what am I going to do? Mama bear comes out and she's going to fight. So as far as like, if you know somebody who has a child with special needs, don't have tons of opinions. 
unless you've walked in those shoes, you have no idea. Also, listen. Just be kind. Just listen. Just be the person that they say, I can talk to that person because they hear me. They're not judging me, but they're hearing me. Because once again, judgment, you can't judge something that you've never experienced. You can't judge what it's like to be a drug addict if you've never been into drugs. You can't, you can't do that. You can have thoughts, but try to erase those because you don't know. But just love. I think the main thing is love on them. Be their friends. Listen. Be that listening ear and that shoulder for them to cry on because sometimes they need it. Wow. Now this is this is so good. Um my my last question really is one to try to provide an opportunity for gratitude. So I think you have demonstrated that through faith in God, through a willingness to do the hard work um, that you can emerge undefeated from trials of shame, trials of life, just throwing you a curveball you didn't expect. Um, but I'm guessing that there were people at those various dark places who helped you walk through them. And since you're a light of hope for so many people, I wonder if there are any people that you would like to just say thank you to um, who helped you walk through those dark, those dark spots. Okay. I think, I think number one would be my husband. I love him. I adore him. I mean, he drives me bonkers. He, he's an ENTJ. Like he never gets tired of like projects, but he never finishes them either. But like, um, I think I'm just so grateful to him. And of course, um, I just feel like he is my gift after if I had to walk down the same exact road to end up right here, I would do it all over again. But thank God we don't have to do all that. Um, <laughs> right. Um, also, uh, my two boys, uh, Zeeland has taught me what true love and like this undeniable kind of, um, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what people think, what people say kind of love because prior to, prior to him, it mattered what people said, what people thought kind of love with him. He doesn't care what people think or what people say about him. He actually has that superpower that he just doesn't care, which is amazing. And then my Soren, I think those three guys in my life have just taught me. I'm grateful to them because they taught me what, how God, can re-script our stories in a way that is more powerful than the concept we have planned prior to. Wow, this is powerful. I want to I want to close with prayer. Um, prayer. I'm going to pray for you, Jackie. I want to also pray for for everyone who's watching, um, just so that you experience the power of God, Lord. I'm so grateful for everyone who tuned in today. For everyone who will even watch the replay. I pray, God, for Jackie and her family, God, that you will continue to bless them, favor them. God, I pray that your grace would be upon them. I pray, Lord, for her precious sons, God, that they would continue to just grow into the young men of God that you have purposed them to be. Um, I pray, God, that you will continue to just 
heal Jackie's heart, Lord, from any remnants of pain or shame or anything that the enemy tried to plant a seed for. I pray that you will just thwart it because her life has been mm-hmm. such a dream so many. I also pray for everyone, Lord, who is watching this today, God, if there is any shame in their heart, God, if they're also dealing with just feelings of inadequacy or insufficiency or letting people down and broken expectations, God, I pray that you will just assure them that they are loved, that you created them on purpose with purpose. And I also pray, God, for the families of special needs children who are watching this, God, I pray that you will just strengthen them, God, give them grace, God, I pray that you will surround them by people who can love them and support them and affirm them uh, during this season, Lord, of physical isolation. I pray that they would also find a community. We're so grateful for you mm. in the name of Jesus, because there is no other name by which we can be saved. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Jackie, thank Amen. you. Thank you. Oh, you're thank so you. gorgeous. <laughs> I appreciate you, girl. Could you imagine your greatest regret, the mistake that you think about so often that you wish you could go back and undo? Could you imagine not only knowing that personally, but the rest of the world knows it too? Can you imagine what it would be like to walk around knowing that people who don't really know you have assumed everything they need to know based on a caricature of who they think you are. Many of us would crumble beneath that injustice. And yet, Jackie, through faith in God, has found the strength and the grace to emerge from that battle. Wipe off the dust, bandage the scars, and keep moving forward. That is the spirit of being undefeated. If you have found yourself struggling with feelings of shame, feelings of guilt because of things that you've done and people's perceptions and opinions about it, I want you to know this. God knows not just what you've done, but he knows what you're going to do. And his love for you is no less. Jesus determined that you were worth dying for. So no matter what your past may contain, today's a new day. You can put a period at the end of that sentence that tells you what you can't do and who you can't be, and you can decide that the next sentence is going to be written with the spirit of God's love. You are who God says you are. You can do what God says you can do, and you are never beyond repair. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please make plans to come back again next Friday for a new episode of Undefeated with Nona Jones. So grateful for you spending time. I'm looking forward to catching up with you next week.